check, check. Mic check. Give some stuff away. Talk to some quote-unquote experts. 702-586-7857. 702-586-PULP. Give us a call. Let me know what you have on, in, on your mind about Phoenix. Anaheim 1, the opening round, is in the rearview mirror. Phoenix, we are looking forward. We are looking to Phoenix. If I was Bill Belichick, I would just say we are looking ahead to Phoenix. We are looking ahead to Phoenix. Fly Racing's light hydrogen gear. It's revolutionized the world of lightweight racing apparel inspired by Canard and Short. This line has been fine-tuned over the past four years to set the standard of what riders expect out of racewear. Unlike other lightweight gear on the market, the Fly Racing Light Hydrogen has kept all the premium features like zipper lock, patented 2D buckle system, and you name it. FlyRacing.com. Follow them on social media, at FlyRacingUSA, and uh, stay tuned to see if uh, at FlyRacingUSA's Andrew Short can repeat his incredible ride from A1 this weekend in Phoenix, as well as Trey Kennard, who uh, ended up with the third spot. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, for the tri- finest truck accessories money can buy, NFAB has you covered from step systems, light mounting solutions, to bumpers and Jeep gear. NFAB accessories are hand-built in Houston, Texas. To learn more about NFAB products, visit n-fab.com. Of course, NFAB, the proud sponsor of the JGR Toyota NFAB Yamaha team with uh, Barsha, Pike, and Filthy Phil Nicoletti. All right, give us a call, 702-586-7857. We are going to have Jason Thomas on the show, as usual. We are also going to have a very special treat. Former factory rider slash turn slash retiree, uh, David Villeman, uh, going to be coming on in a little bit and give his opinion on uh, Phoenix and what we should look ahead. And remember, folks, don't ever forget him catching Jeremy McGrath and passing him late in the race in 01, I believe. Uh, I was there in the stadium, and you could have heard a pin drop as McGrath got caught from behind. McGrath never got caught from behind, but Villeman did it. Fly Racing Moto 60 show, presented by NFAB. We're going to give away a Fly Racing jacket, uh, men's or women's. Uh, I, think it's, I, gotta, I think it's going to be a men's, though. I, I'm confident that no women is going to call in, but if they do, uh, or if a man do, random caller. They're going to win a Fly Racing waxed jacket. It's a black jacket. It's uh, got a fleece liner, cuffs, removable hood, uh, $100 retail, and uh, tons of pockets, and it's perfect for this kind of weather here January 8th. Oh, by the way, I'm Steve Mathis. Taking your calls, producing the show, handling things behind the scenes. The legendary. Hello, Steven. Hello, Tits. How are you doing today? Can I get a Ryan Dungey Anaheim 1 opening uh, night mm-hmm. review? 
You know, at the beginning of like the, after the first two laps, I thought I'm willing to put money down that he would get up to second place. I thought that you're not going to talk into the mic correctly. You got to raise Is that it? thing up. Like stinking Devin. Yeah, it's the other guy that sits there. He's short. There you go. All right. Perfect. Anyway, okay. Yeah. I would I would have bet money he was going to get up to second, third at the oh, worst. Oh yeah. But I, I that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Clearly I was wrong. Right. So I left a little underwhelmed. Um, <laughs> Why but, does it seem like Dungey lets you down more than he pumps you up? I don't know. It's you know, pretty standard. Very angry sometimes yeah. at Dunge. No, uh, no, not. Angry. You know what's funny though is like he did. He had a so-so race and he was sort of blah. Mm-hmm. And he got fourth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Still pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like he just he, that's what he is. He's just so solid. I'm he expecting just, good things this weekend, though. Who Be- can forget? Be- he- better passing uh, chances with you know, a lot of 180 turns and stuff. Did you look at the track course? I did, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it. He won Phoenix three years ago? I yeah. Think. First um, year. Yeah. 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 So he, he's, he's done well there. Mm-hmm. Um. What else did you think? What else did you see from your comfortable couch? From my comfortable couch? Um... I was uh, when <laughs> Zach got taken out mm-hmm. you know, by Bowers. Yeah, the the first angle they showed looked like Bowers just literally just murdered him, just blew right. him out of the corner. Then you see it from another angle; it wasn't quite as bad, but it wasn't. It was still, uh, you know, I thought that was not good, but you know, yeah. Well, they called the, they called him the Pulpomex show. People want to yep. listen, Zach and Bowers, and they I had listen. it out. And uh, then Zach, uh, uh, then I, then Bowers sent me some video that looked like Zach broke his thumb in another right. collision. Mm-hmm. And then Zach texted me and said, I'm full of shit. And then I said, you need to, war-, you know, then we got into it. And I don't know if Zach's right. my friend anymore. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so that is interesting to see going forward. Uh, how about that? How about Zach Osborne? You're second in the points. You have a broken thumb. Like, what do you do? You're pretty he, much. He said he's going, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to. You, you got to try. To. Yeah, you got to. You got to try. You never know how it's going to go. You get shot up and Too go out there and, out, and yeah. see how it goes. Uh, 702-586-7857, Fly Race and Moto 60 Show, presented by NFAB. We're going to give away a fly uh, a waxed jacket to someone, anyone, a uh, random caller who calls in. So uh, thanks, everybody, for um, listening, and uh, we're going to take your calls. Jason Thomas and David Villeman coming up. Very exciting. So Phoenix this weekend, obviously we saw uh, Kenny Roxon just take off, and although he was getting caught late in the race by Anderson, uh, nobody in the stadium was really worried that uh, he would actually make the pass. Uh, Roxon looked to be on another level, and that was a, a great ride by him. He was better than I thought uh, he'd be. Um, obviously, it's Kenny Roxon. You know he's going to be in the in the in the game. Anderson was way better than than I thought. He he rode terrific. Canard came up from the back. Eli Tomac, Eli Tomac. He 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 did not have a good race. A couple of crashes and stuff like that. And um, you never know. Uh, you know, like the margin error. I know it's seventeen races. I know it's a long time. Lots of weird stuff can happen. But you do not want to go uh, too much longer and giving up too many more points to um, to the leader. I think the all-time points deficit was 26 or 28 or something, I believe, by Carmichael to still win the title. So right now, it's 24. Uh, Tomac's 24 down on Kenny Roxon. Assuming that you know Kenny Roxon stays up, but then you know again, even a guy like Kennard made a ton of points on uh, on um, Tomac. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. In the 250 class, uh, Jesse Nelson, uh, who saw that coming? Uh, fifth fastest uh, in qualifying, uh, fourth in the heat or something, and then he goes and gets a whole shot and takes off in the main event. Made it look pretty easy. Osborne second, like we said. Bowers third. Um, but there's certainly lots to talk about in the 250 class, and to talk more about that on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show is our own uh, relative expert, Jason Thomas. JT. What's going on? I know we're going to talk 250s here. But 
But when you made a return to 250 Supercross, it didn't go that well. I almost feel like you're more of a 450 expert. Like, maybe I should, you know? You always say that, but you're such a hater. I'm not a hater. Yes, you are. Uh, I did, it didn't go that well. Well, it you know? was, I mean, I made all the main events, but I, all I was trying to do was just trying to get over a broken leg. I wasn't trying to win the championship. I didn't even start the series. Oh, so you weren't, you weren't trying to win the championship? No, I'm just saying I didn't even make the first East Coast race. I was just trying to race something. All right. Well, fine. Look, even Rocky's upset. He's, yeah, he's upset with you. Yeah, maybe. He's actually yelling. He's barking hater right now at me. <laughs> um, hey, uh, look, it's – well, Phoenix coming up this weekend. First, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Phoenix used to be pretty awesome. Um, yep. Late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Uh, I think gr- it was bad. I think the track was terrible back then, though. Well, more traction and long. It was always really long. Do you remember? Back then? Yeah. No, they had it at – remember they had it at Sun Devil Stadium. It was like the worst dirt on the planet. Oh, no, no. It was, it was in Chase Field by then. Sun, Sun Devils last year was 90. First year was 99. First year at Sun Devil. Last year first at Sun year Devil. At Chase was 99. I think it was 98. Nope, 99. Okay, well, in 99, 2000, it was pretty good traction and pretty long and good dirt. And it's kind of gone away a little bit. It's kind of. Well, I think, it's, I think it can still be like that. I just think it goes into preparation and. Uh, I really think, and I wrote about this, but I think that they they open that the roof and that completely lets the track go. Because if they would let, if they would uh, keep the roof closed and keep the sun off of it, then they can control it a lot more. They, you know, the the sunlight just really gets to it and kind of ruins it. Honestly, you think that's it though? It seems like even when I, do. I don't, yeah, I, do. I don't feel it being as gummy or tacky even in track walk in the morning. It's better. Don't get me wrong. You're right, but I don't know. So why don't they close the roof? Uh, I think that they like it for the fans. Like, they like having the sunshine in, and I just think it makes for a better atmosphere. And I really don't think that the dirt being perfect is a huge priority for them. Because, because by the late in the main event, it's dusty and slip, slippery. Like, it's, it, it's not very good. Well, what happens is once it goes away in the afternoon, it's yeah. gone. No, yeah. You know, it's, it's just gone. So It's gone. It's the, gone. Only way, the only way to keep that tack is to just stay on top of it i mean they literally have to stay with it all day because like i said you know once it goes away and it hardens up you can't you can't get it to soften up again well it's not that good anymore i agree i I would agree with that it's it's not it's not great i always struggled there because i just i like traction and there's not a ton of it at phoenix remember when timmy ferry led like uh seven laps in uh, in 2000 Phenomenal! You were probably in the main event, so maybe you don't remember. Uh, I was, yeah. I don't. I don't remember though. Yeah. I was. I was out there. I don't know. Uh, it was phenomenal, uh, and I was wasn't his mechanic anymore. You know, so it was very bitter for me. I was. Yeah, I remember when he tried to take out MC? Yeah, who can forget that? Oh, uh, good times. Not happy. No, taking out the king just because you're angry at your wrist. Yep. Yeah. Good job, Red yep. Dog. Um, hey, we're gonna give away a fly wax jacket today too. It's just a random okay. caller. Yeah. So, sweet. Uh, I had two of them. I had the gray. Oh, and the oh hey, what's up? What's up, Richie Rich? Well, I wouldn't really put it that way, but I'm just trying to encourage everyone else to go out and get I'm a black kidding. and gray one. I'm joking. Um, so, look, we, we talked before the season. We all thought Jesse Nelson, TLD, KTM's Jesse Nelson could win a race and, and be one of those guys. And he went out and, although he didn't overwhelm us in practice or the heat, he got the whole shot on a track that, that, that favored that kind of stuff, and he won a race. I mean, is this... We don't know for sure. Is he now a title contender the rest of the way? Like, was this a Michael Brandis Indianapolis 02 ride? No. Or was this no. a 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think he's legit. I mean, we saw him. He was a threat towards the end of the outdoors. You know, he was kind of in there and, and making it known that he was, you know, getting pretty serious towards the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he qualified fifth, which wasn't terrible. But he was kind of solid all day. And the main event, uh, you know, I didn't see any cracks. You know, there was mm-hmm. nothing to signify that he wasn't for real at all. Um, he looked like he was pretty comfortable and really never even was pressured. So I, I don't know that he's just going to run away with this thing, but right. I certainly think he's going to be a factor. Yeah, like so this is this is uh, something we're going to see him being a podium guy. or I know, think so yeah, for sure. Right. Yep. Uh, Osborne second, broken thumb. Um, probably didn't ride this week, although he told me he was going to try. Uh, I doubt it, man. I, I really doubt it. I mean, is this – is he done? I mean, I don't think so. Um, I think it's just going to be really tough. I think he's going to deal with a lot of pain. Uh, he's going to have to be going through physical therapy and, you know, uh, under in kind of machines mm-hmm. and hyperbaric chambers and all the kinds of new, uh, new generation therapy that's out there. He's going to have to really be on top of that stuff. And I, I know, you know, we both talked to him, and he, he's on that stuff. You know, he flew to Vegas and, and got more x-rays, and I know he's taking it very seriously, but it's just going to be a huge nuisance uh, on that end and, and the pain tolerance. Uh, and the the thing moving forward, you know, it won't affect him this week, but as the weeks drag on, if he can't practice, that's going to start to weigh in at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as everyone's getting three or four days of riding in a week and he's getting zero, that's that's not going to help much. No doubt about it. He needs uh, He needs Apollo's trainer. Telling him on the line, no pain, no pain. Yeah, and then Rocky's trainer later on. Right, yeah, after Apollo. Yeah. You know, R.I.P. Yep. Apollo. Um, hey, uh, Bowers, what would you see? What would you think? Uh, Tyler Bowers returned to Supercross. Uh, last time we saw him full-time was Yamaha Troy back in the day. Of course, he you know, he won a race a couple years ago for Mitch, and, and he filled in for, for Chad uh, at Vegas last year in the 450s. It didn't go so well. But what do you see from Tyler Bowers? I, I thought he was good. Uh, he's better than I expected. Um, I thought he would be decent but i didn't expect him to be as solid as he was uh he was up front in the first time practice he was first and then uh in the heat race he was right in there you know battling it out and then in the main event he was he was really solid so i think the the consistency and um just the basically coming in there i know he's not a rookie he's even won a race but uh mm-hmm. i thought he would maybe be a little shaky or maybe get bad starts at times through the night and he, he really didn't do any of that so if he can continue that trend, um, you know, he's got to be one of the favorites to win this title. You know what's funny? Like with Mookie last year and uh, and Bowers this year, I mean, I've I've been as mechanic in that class and I've, I've been on the bikes and you've, you have too. And it's such uh, – horsepower is such a big deal. And, and, you know, if you're giving away, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds to your competitors, that makes a big difference on a bike that's, you know, 42 horsepower or whatever. And I've always like, okay, Mookie's just too big. But last year on the TLD bike, of course, Mookie's A1 this year, not good. But Mookie uh, uh, rides on the TLD bike, like he got some starts and he was up front and he was able to clear everything that, you know, you might think he'd give him some trouble. And Bowers, same thing, like he's 188, he, he told me. And that's too big for a 250F, but man, I, they still, he still got off the line, all right. Yeah, I think it really speaks to how far those bikes have come. Uh, because if you, look, yeah. if you look at the tracks, they're not any different. The tracks are the exact same distances, and everything's the same since we were on 125 two-strokes. You know, there's really nothing changed. So you look at a heavier guy, and you look at how fast the bikes are. You know, those those factory bikes are pushing 50 horsepower now. 
it really makes sense that they they could probably jump anything on the track that the 450s can yeah. do just because the, they're lighter and, and the power to weight. So it's not surprising. You know, the starts were impressive to me. That's where I thought the Bowers would really struggle. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, but he was all right. He was all right. Yeah, you like, know, and, like maybe, and I think, maybe we're just not realizing how fast these bikes are now. You know? Well, I think there's a lot of fast bikes. So he's got to compete against other really fast bikes. And I think if this was five or eight years ago, he would have a bigger advantage because I think the pro circuit bikes were easily the best bikes back then. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that that's the case anymore. I think they're competitive with everyone, but I don't think they're necessarily head and shoulders better than everyone. No, I agree. So um, he's really got to be disciplined on his technique and make sure he doesn't screw up and get a bad gate pick because for him, I think he's got to get uh, on that inside and make sure he nails a jump because he's certainly not going to pull anyone down that straightaway. You know, if he can stay equal, I think that would be kind of ahead of the game. 702-586-7857. Uh, let's take some calls before we move on to uh, some more questions about the 250 West class. Uh, and also David Villeman coming up. We're giving, giving away a fly uh, a jacket as well to uh, a lucky listener. Let's go to Cody. Cody, what's up? Hey, uh, last week you and Chase were questioning Anderson on his Husky. I was mm-hmm. just curious to know, does this finish? Does it just stamp it that they're here to stay? Oh, yeah, for sure, I think. I mean, uh, the owner of KTM, one of the three owners, bought Husky. And you know he's making it a viable brand, and I think that down the road they have plans to make it into a more of a unique bike than just a slightly changed KTM. But yeah, I mean it's it's here, right? I mean I don't know any Husky dealers, JT. Do you? I mean, it got, I mean, are they just uh, KTM I, dealers? I do know some that are planning on getting bikes. Yeah, there's some around uh, my area where in Idaho now that that yeah. are uh, Husky dealers. I think they have some some units too. Um, but I think that you know they're going off of all of KTM's race data that they've been working on for years. So yeah. it, it's really a good situation for them. Uh, they, there's so much uh, knowledge to draw from, and all the kinks have kind of been worked out. So for Anderson, he walked into – he basically might as well have signed on to factory KTM last year because that's well, uh, you know a lot of his settings. That's this is at. what i got to ask you, JT. Do you think Anderson's bike – I should have asked you this before I wrote my observations column this week, but do you think Anderson's bike is more like – Dunge's bike or more like an SXX bike of uh, of sort of like uh, the other, the team last year that, that they had? Oh, know? I would say it's certainly much more like the bike that Dungey would have raced okay. in the U.S. The factory, Monster Cup. you know, they have those factory services things that they they right. they give people right. right. So okay, so it's more on the on the factory work side, to, in yes. your opinion. Yeah. So you know, I mean, we've seen we've seen uh, Ryan Dungey and what he does. Yeah, no, they were they had a really really good bike. Uh, I think maybe the new bike is better. Um, I I, you know, I haven't ridden one obviously, but it looked great last weekend. But I certainly don't think Anderson was in a bad place. You know, jumping on that factory the the fifteen bike that they had. Cody, what do you think? I think it all works out, man. I was just curious. Uh, do you think pricing wise, like when they start, you know, mass production stuff, do you think Husky keeps the same price as the KTM, or are uh, they going to be less, more? I don't know. Word on that. Yeah. I'm I think not. they'll be similar to, you know, not the Dungey edition, but uh, the standard SX, X, SXF. I would assume it would be pretty close to that because I think they're a lot of the same parts and they're, yeah. you know, kind of an upgraded luxury uh, model versus some of the Japanese uh, models. Dungey edition is uh, is up there in price. It's like 10 grand. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. But look, look, 10 well, grand. Look, look at what look what you get. You get a bike that can win a Supercross. No? Yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, it's, it's kind of a niche market, but it, uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's a, it's a great bike if you can afford it. Yeah, yeah, no there doubt. You go. Thanks, Cody. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, guys. All right, thank you.
Uh, all right, let's go to Benoit. Benoit, are you there? Yeah, hi. What's up? Um, I was just wondering, I read the, the DV column on Pulp MX, uh-huh. and he was pretty negative about Tomac. So what do you think? Do you think it's, it's really that bad? No, it's probably just DV. Uh, pretty no, negative. DV's, uh, or Tomax, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's really fast. And he could, if he wins this weekend in Phoenix, it will not be surprising. So, yeah. but the problem, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, how, if Tomac has another bad race, he's 24 points down right now. If he has another bad race, ouch, like, you know. He cannot. Uh, he cannot afford that JT. It's yeah, no. True. It's uh, it's. Yeah, I think with. Well, you know, it's it's easy to say that right now, but who's to say Roxon won't have a bad race and Trey won't have a bad race? So, I certainly would agree with you in principle, but I think that you know a mistake this year is going to be really costly, more costly than we maybe have ever seen because you're not going to be able to move back up. Just you know, yeah. we we I've never seen twenty guys on the same lead lap ever in my in my life of watching these races. So that tells me that just a tip over is, is going to be really, really uh, costly. You're just yeah. not going to be able to move through the pack like before. All right, Benoit. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right, let's go to uh, Gibbs. Gibbs, what's up? What's up? So how's it going, guys? Good. How are you? Thanks for listening. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for the fantasy uh, tips there. I did uh, did pretty good. I'm in that Pulp MX one. I'm in second. So, oh, perfect. Yeah, we're, we do an NFAB uh, Racer X Fantasy Moto podcast. We're going to try and do it today. And, um, uh, yeah, it's been good. We cover the Moto Dynasty Leagues and JT. We also cover uh, which sites? Yeah, uh, yeah. We cover motocross fantasy, uh, pro moto fan. Yeah, looking into some other ones. We just want to make it as well rounded. You know, obviously the Racer X Moto Dynasty is uh, where we kind of host the the podcast, but mm-hmm. we want to make it as well rounded and and not exclude anyone if we can. Yeah, yeah right. no doubt, no problem. When you said though about motocross fantasy, like I've always had trouble making ground on guys there because like me and my buddies always did it, and everybody uh-huh. just you just alternate between the weeks, the top guys, right? But like you said, you got to go with. Uh, the guys with all the handicaps, and that's where yeah. you're doing it. No, it's a uh, it's yeah. a growing thing, man. People dig it, and yeah, take some strategy, no doubt. Yeah, we're we're gonna discuss it. Actually, we're we're gonna record that today. But you really uh, you have to gamble, and I'm gonna go into some guys today. So be sure to check that out. Thanks, Gibbs. Yeah, we'll do. All right, all right. Thank Thanks, you. Guys, uh, another fantasy supercross, Greg. What's up? Hey, Steve. Uh, Greg in Chicago. How are you hey, doing? Hey, man. How are you? Emails earlier today. Oh, right on. Um, hey, uh, my question was for uh, JT and yourself. It was. I guess it was on the condition of Pookie. I know he had a pretty big crash last week, but uh, I'll ask JT first. But where do you have him in uh, fantasy this week? I think he'll be good, um, and we'll get into this in the other podcast. So I don't want to give too much away. But I, you know, anytime somebody does really poorly, you know, their value goes up the next week because they're certainly not going to be uh, rated very high. And a guy like Mookie, he could he could go out and win. So. You always have to take that in, into consideration. Yeah. Um, but Mookie has uh, the tendency to crash. So it's it's always risk-reward. You you bet on the guys that, um, you know, they may pay off that weekend, but sometimes you get burned. And that's what happened with a lot of people at Mookie last weekend. Yeah, no doubt. All right, thanks, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. And, and on the, um, huh? the the slippery four Phoenix track in the 450s, so. Uh, Ryan Dungey's done pretty good in the past. You see him doing that this week? Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be good. Uh, he's always good. Uh, how can you not? Yeah, uh, that was uh, yeah. he was a, kind of the centerpiece of my staging area column today. Yeah, uh, he's 
he's really, really strong there. And if the times he's been anywhere near the front, he's either, you know, or gotten on the podium, like it's pretty consistent. So, you know, he, he's very good at carrying momentum. And when the traction's low uh, and your momentum's high, that's generally going to put you on the box. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Craig. I got to cut you off there. It's too, too loud in the background. Um, 250 Supercross class, uh, obviously Mookie, like we just touched on, he needs a big race. He can't afford it to, in a short race, in a short series. He no. can't afford to. Yeah, he's working with less than half of the, the margin that the other guys are. For yeah. their... um, uh, who do you see, JT, um, look, looking at the pack of guys that could be like the next level of guys, Politelli and Lieb, a couple guys that are doing the most with the least. Uh, what do you like out of those guys um, for the rest of the series? What do you see at A1, and what do you see at Fe- happening at Phoenix? Yeah, Lieb was a little underwhelming. He rode decent. I think he was a little frustrated with how he rode. Uh, Politelli had a crash, which relegated him to the back. I was pretty happy with how Freeberg rode. Uh, you know, his bike locked up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like halfway or so. Uh, but there were a few guys like that that uh, should do better. You know, uh, Nico Izzy uh, was looking okay. You know, he could have been right around that top 10 mark, but he had a big crash. So there's a lot of guys that are looking to bounce back. And uh, I think in both classes, I think we're going to see maybe not the first couple of guys, but mm-hmm. that mid-top 10 range, we're going to see a, a lot of shakeups uh, this weekend versus last weekend. You know, obviously it could go the same way and the same people crash, but that's highly unlikely. You, uh, wh- who do you see, is there, is there anybody in the 250 class that you see as being good at Phoenix? It's hard to say, you know, hard to be good at, at a track. I mean, certainly like Dallas back in the day, hard slick pack. Uh, you saw some guys that, you know, were good at that. And Kyle, Kyle Partridge shines if there's deep, deep whoops, you know, when we get there. Things like that. Right. But is there anybody that shines at Phoenix that, that comes to mind for you in 250 class? I think Nelson will be good again. Uh, he's His style kind of suits that. Uh, he carries through the – he rolls through the turns really well, which is super important at Phoenix, just mm-hmm. staying off the gas too early. Um, and I think his, he's a great, great starter. So I think those two combinations, when, when you don't have a ton of traction, it's hard to make passes because you just – you mm-hmm. can't accelerate out of the turn. You know, you kind of have to – roll through the turn and be really patient and, and passing, you want to get aggressive to make passes and they don't generally work together. So I look for Nelson to have another great weekend. I know that's an easy pick, but because yeah. he won last weekend, yeah. but I think he'll, I think he's going to be right up there again, if not win again. You know, I, I want to say Cooper Webb, but I think Cooper's almost the opposite. You know, Cooper's super aggressive. Yeah. You hear him revving and, and really high on the, on the, in the RPM range all the time. And I don't think that's necessarily the best way to to attack the Phoenix uh, Phoenix soil. You know who was quietly pretty good, uh, had like fifth and sixth place fact practice times was Zach Bell. And in the yep. main event, uh, he came from dead last to uh, to 11th uh, after yeah, one lap. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he was actually, you're right, he was quietly good. Yep. Uh, he had a big get off. I'm trying to think if it was last year or the year before where he got injured. No, it Phoenix, was, uh, so. I think it was last year, yeah. Yeah, yep. and uh, for him it's just putting races together. And, and you know what we haven't seen from him is, you know, we had that famous Southwick race where he finally got the whole, finally got a good start in his first race ever. But we haven't seen great starts from him, you know, not at all recently. In the last, you know, handful of races we've seen him, he just hasn't been at the front. So he really needs to turn that around and get back to the front. And mm-hmm. I think it'll all come together for him if he can start up front. The return of Josh Hansen to Supercross. Um, Triumphant return. We can work with speed, I guess, is what you're going to say with this, right? 
I think that's fair. It's a fair assessment for him because uh, he pretty much did what you know Dino used to was doing on the 450 was uh, get a good start, run up front. Times were decent, and then arm pump, tired, whatever the the situation is, but work your way backwards. So, you know, if it was a truly arm pump issue like he claims, then that's uh, something you know that could work itself out, no worries, and he's all good. But if it's if it's an exhaustion thing where he's just tired and not in shape, then yeah. he's going to be in for a long Saturday every weekend. I didn't think he's. I didn't think he looked great in the whoops. I don't know if it's spike setup or him or whatever. You know. I heard that from a few people. Yeah. Uh, I I personally didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, but he, generally, he's really, really good in the whoops. So I'm sure if they have it on video and he was struggling with it, I'm sure they tested a lot this week yeah. and, and got it figured out. Because talent-wise and ability-wise, that's normally a strong suit for him. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Um, 250, uh, what else surprised you in 250s? Uh, who do you think in Phoenix um, could be a bit of a sleeper? Plessinger, maybe? Can Plessinger do it again? Well, Plessinger was a shock. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't ever seen him ride before, and I, he was—I mean, he was catching Justin Hill in fourth place yeah. at the end, yeah. to the point where Justin Hill was looking behind him everywhere, just trying to get to the checkered flag without getting passed. <laughs> so that was really impressive. You know, I'd like to see what he can do with a with a great start because mm-hmm. he looked super solid. You know, I was watching yeah. him every lap because there really wasn't any racing going on, right? And just no mistakes. Same line every time, just what you'd see out of a veteran. So uh, I'd like to see where his ceiling is because I don't think that we've seen that yet. You know, we've only got one race out of him, but, man, he was really impressive. Um, but, I, you know, Osborne was, you know, I didn't expect that from Zach, I guess, and especially yeah. with a broken thumb. I didn't expect him to come out and, and have an easy, basically an easy second place, you know, especially coming from the last chance uh, to make it even tougher. So, Depending on how his thumb is, um, you know, I thought that was a great ride from him. Um, you know, obviously that's a that's a big storyline going into this weekend to see what he can do. Uh, I think in practice we'll know right away mm-hmm. if he goes out there and can turn in fast laps and he's going to be fine. But if he looks just off, then it's not going to get any better from there for sure. So was there was there a non main event guy in 250 class at Anaheim that you were either shocked about? Or you look for him to be in the main in Phoenix. Um, I, I kind of n- don't. I, I look through it and I'm like, eh, 22 good guys got in, you know. Yeah, I didn't. Nobody, nobody really, you know, caught my attention. Um, you know, I think the the back end of that field, I would say the last six or so, I think are pretty interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to say interchangeable, but I think they they're gonna bounce around a bit. I think. You know, that 250 class is so chaotic in those last chance qualifiers. And if you have any kind of crash in the heat race, you know, that 7th, 8th, and 9th place in the heat, you know, random guys seem to sneak in there. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think um, guys like Cole Martinez and Darren Durham, those guys had rough main events. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be further up. Um, but, yeah, I think like guys like Morgan Berger, and there's a few guys that are right on the cusp there. So all they need is a better start or, or things to go their way. And, and you'll see those, uh, you know, the, the back end of that field kind of vary week to week. Did you hear that Berger came up just short this week? I did. Yeah, I yeah. did. And he's a he's a local Boise guy, so Idaho Idaho's own. Yeah, we we actually have a guy here. He's our uh, helmet manager. He's racing as well. He was in the night show. He didn't make the main event, but he'll be trying again at Phoenix. You know, actually, we we forgot a guy. Both of us. We deserve to be uh, reprimanded. Uh, Chris Please Al- reprimand me, Chris Aldridge. Oh wow, yeah, that's yeah. I have yeah. him on my fantasy list of people to talk about. Right, right. So Chris uh, you're, Aldridge, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's glaringly obvious to us uh now. 
that uh, yeah. I mean, he's a great rider too. He's yeah. one of those guys that he didn't make the main event, but if he gets in the main event, he's a top ten guy. He just is, yeah, and and maybe higher than that. So I'm sure he's frustrated, and I'm sure Mitch wasn't pleased, but you know he's gonna he'll bounce back. He he's solid, and and I'm sure they you know there's nothing to make you more motivated than not qualifying. Trust me on that. Imagine being on pro circuit and not qualifying. Hey, uh, yeah, I probably guy, would have rode straight the, back to my house. The guy in the wheelchair wants to see you after the race. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take some calls here. Uh, Cody, thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show. Hey man, I was just curious uh, if there's any word on anybody uh, replacing Wilbur on Factory Cowie. You know, uh, JT and I talked about this uh, on the Pulp Show, and we're pretty sure that they would fill in. I spoke to, or I texted back and forth with the guy at Cowie today, and I said, "Who who are you thinking is going to be the fill in?" And they were like, "They said, who says we're getting a fill in?" And I'm like, "I you're me?" And they're like, "Yeah, exactly." So maybe they don't fill in. I I, I still think they would. Right. I still think they would. I mean, uh, Metcalf, Weimer, Chisholm, three guys that, you know, easy guys to think about right there. Um, what, what happened to Chiz last week? How come he didn't make it to Anaheim? Chiz had a motorhome problem, so he didn't drive out. He, he couldn't get his rig ready. Something broke on it. So. Privateer life, bro. Yeah, he'll be there in Phoenix for sure. So see him there. Please. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Riley, got a question about Trey Kennard on the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB? Yeah, I do. Um just reading a column by Wygant. There's your first uh, about, problem. About the looks of a champion. And he talks a little bit about Trey Kennard's on kind of the ragged edge, sort of. I'm becoming a huge fan of his. I'm uh, studying his style and just the way he does things. Mm-hmm. How far from being out of control or too far over the edge do you think he is? And if he came down to a, a gnarly bar-to-bar battle with, say, Tomac or Rocks and how much does he have left in the tank, and what are the odds of him hanging on to it and keeping up as far uh, as speed goes? He definitely, yeah, he's not scared to hang it out. There are some moments where you're covering your eyes with Trey Kennard. Uh yeah. But JT's been making it work the last little while. Yeah, that's the question with Trey is you watch him, and, man, he goes for it. There is The guy is fearless when you watch him. I don't, I don't think he's truly fearless because I've talked to him, and he's kind of nervous himself, but <laughs> he looks fearless when he's riding. Uh but, I mean, he, the last however many times we've watched him, other than those little tip-overs at Monster Cup, he's he hasn't really had any moments. So uh, until he kind of proves us wrong, I'm just going to think that he's got it under control. But I don't think he'll have any issue. I don't. Th- I think he handles pressure really well. So if he can get out there, I think he'll give Roxon everything he can handle. Yeah. Is there anything that he does that's, like, they talk about Roxon scrubbing through the jump, sort of. Is there anything you guys think that Kennard does that's, kind of his thing or i think just scrubbing in general just the yeah. the stewart scrub canard can maybe do it better than than james he's really yeah, good canard's <laughs> really really good at that uh and i think he he carries a lot of momentum through the jumps uh through all of them like through rhythm sections and everything not just scrubbing he just uh he's very very aggressive not so much in the turns like eli is but he just uh you know he's got that new that next wave style where he's just pushing everywhere and he stays low and looks fast so uh there's definitely something to say for the way those first three look going around the track you know cuz I was actually watching those three and then I'd watch Chad and you could just see a difference they're just a different style and I don't know that you know I don't think it's necessarily better all the time but it they just look different to me Yeah you know what's uh what's a little scary for everybody but Kenny Roxon is like 
all three practices and in the main event, uh, Tomac, Roxon, and Kennard all looked real fast and, and all that. But if you were to line just three guys up on the track and let them go, who's the one guy out of those three that you know doesn't make many mistakes? It's Roxon. So yeah, Roxon looks like he wouldn't have crashed if he did 200 laps. Right, right. Uh, hey Riley, do you want to fly jacket? Sure, that'd be awesome. That's a good question. I like how the fact that you're studying Kennard to try to ride like him. That's all. That's all in depth. I like that. That's deep. Hey, another thing. Just before I called, and you guys were talking about Morgan Berger. Yeah, I was. I'm from Alberta, actually. And the last race in Calgary, I think. I think it was Calgary, just the local series. I saw him there, and he he's definitely got that professional look to him. It was kind of cool seeing him, and then I saw his name pop up at A1 there. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah, the Berg, bro, the, the Berg, good guy. Uh, yep. Stay on hold. Tis will get your information. Thanks. Okay, thanks. thanks, man. Uh, we've gone away the fly racing waxed. Is it waxed or wax? Yep, it is. Waxed jacket uh, on the fly racing Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Um, all right, JT. Thanks, man. Appreciate the 250 yeah, breakdown no a little bit and a little bit of 450 talk. And uh, don't forget, folks, the NFAB Fantasy Moto uh, podcast uh, will be coming up uh, hopefully later today. So we'll, work, we'll help you out a little bit with that brand new thing that JT and I are doing. Uh, to help everybody with an emerging uh, game that's going on. So, um, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, is, is DV going to complain about Dungey and uh, Tomac the whole time, or what? Uh, Chanceability is probably very high. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and hopefully, actually, what's going to happen is I'm going to ask him about Dungey's bars and then just walk away and go have a sandwich. <laughs> Perfect. So, all right, thanks, buddy. It's like doing a, doing a podcast with Dave Osterman. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? All right, see ya. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, Jason Thomas, everybody. Fly racing light hydrogen gear. They've revolutionized the world of light rate apparel. Inspired by Canard in short, the light hydrogen line has been fine-tuned over the past four years to set the standard in what athletes expect out of race wear. Uh, zipper lock, patented 2D buckle system, all premium features that are on this light light gear. Check out flyracing.com. JGR Toyota NFAB Yamaha team with Barsha, uh, Pike, and Nicoletti. Dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hottest-looking, hardest-working accessories from N-Fab, uh, N-Fab.com. Um, great company and uh, supporting the sport in mo- multiple ways, so support them. All right, let's get to our next guest here on the show. He's going to break down more of the 450s of what we're going to see in Phoenix, and he's a past winner at Phoenix. So uh, welcome, everybody, to David Villeman. DV! Hey, what's up? Thanks for coming on, bro. All right. Who can forget Phoenix when you track down McGrath? I think I can, actually. <laughs> I think I, I can. <laughs> sometimes I go to, on YouTube you know, to remind myself, you know, how good I was. Right. Uh, right. I, I suck so bad now, so I'm like, oh, I was actually pretty good. Do you get reminded more of Indy, Phoenix, or is there another one? What? Which one do people no, bring I th- up? I think the, the, the two biggest things in my career is the good riding video and uh, when I slap on Kata, <laughs> right? Never mind the wins, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, the rest they, they don't know I won seven races. They right. Don't care. Right. They wanted the good riding video and uh, my fight with uh, Roncada <laughs> in Atlanta. Right, right. Uh, it must be nice, right? Um, hey, uh, Phoenix coming up this weekend. Um, we we talked to you a little bit about uh, Anaheim on PulpaMex.com. You wrote a little story about it. Um, it's you were there in person. You watched it. Scary how good Kenny was, huh? I mean, that could be a, that could be a sign for the rest of the competition here. Yeah, it's you know like he's doing everything well. I think he's re- he's fast and really smooth, and I I think kind of like uh, uh, like a Bubba uh, the last couple of years. I think he was kind of like riding like this. If mm-hmm. you look at Toronto or like the good races where he did not crash, mm-hmm. they kind of like 
almost um you know look the same like super smooth they they, they look like they they don't chart or don't try hard but they actually go really fast they keep their momentum and and i think that's the key it should be the model for every for 50 riders out there it's that's exactly the way you have to ride a bike to go fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yep. I think Baba showed us last year, like you've seen him like ride super smooth last year or the, yeah. the last couple of years. Yep. And I think Roxanne is doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, it wasn't uh, – James did kind of refine his style a little bit. His, he, there wasn't as many mistakes. There wasn't as many crazy balls moment, you know, for James. Yeah, no, less scrubbing, less stuff that d- – um, that is pretty useless, you know, like there's <laughs> yeah. some things like, and like, just like a simple riding, good lines, keep your momentum, shift, and no rev the bike. You know, when you rev, you start like going over the peak power on the 450, mm-hmm. then the bike doesn't go anywhere. Suspension doesn't work, and, you know, engine obviously has less power, less torque. Yep. And it's good to, to stay in a range where the, the bike makes more power, and where... Uh, it handles the best, and I think Ken is doing just just that. Yeah, you kind of made mention a little bit of Barsha. If you were coaching Barsha, um, uh, there, there'd be some drastic overhauls with his program, right? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would do two things. I would take first and second gear out of his gearbox, <laughs> and I would take his clutch lever off the bike for a couple of weeks during practice. And just show him, like, you know, <laughs> right. let's try to ride like this. You know, like, mm-hmm. you cannot, you know, I see he's charging. I'm sure he's working hard. Mm-hmm. But the point is, you, ha- you have to adapt yourself to the bike and to the track and to everything. You know, like, Anaheim is, the West Coast is really slippery. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to rev the bike. You don't want to be a gear lower everywhere. You want to, you know, log the bike in the wolves in fourth gear and mm-hmm. after all. You, you want to go in a, like a sweeper in Anaheim before the finish. Mm-hmm. You, you want to go in third gear and just throttle control. You know, like you don't want right. to be really aggressive on your throttle in second gear right there. You know, like that's the thing he needs to learn. And if he keeps riding like he's been riding the last couple of years and in Anaheim, that will not work. You know, he's going to go backwards, he's going to crash, and he's going to say the bike handles like shit because mm-hmm. when you ride like this, the suspension and the chassis that can't yeah. keep up. Yeah, they don't like it. You're right about that. Yeah, it's 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 tough when you're doing that. Um, 702-586-PULP, 702-586-7857. You have a question for uh, myself or David Villeman about Phoenix coming up. Um, Tomac was certainly fast. He was the fastest qualifier on the day. And I was looking forward to this Titanic, Roxon Tomac battle. It didn't happen. Eli crashed a couple times. Now look, it's one round down, sixteen to go. But he's always he's already twenty four points down, DV from Kenny. And I can't see Kenny finishing off the podium this weekend. If you know, I think a disaster yeah, for so, Kenny so, would be. Fit. You know, obviously anything can happen. Right. He can crash at the start, but even if he crash on a first turn, I don't think he's going to be worse than fifth. Yeah, you know? right, right. So, so uh, something has to happen. And obviously now, Tomac has nothing to lose. And he was actually riding pretty fast. He right. was on yeah. on the uh, aggressive side a little bit. But in practice, he was rolling his steering, like going like outside. Mm-hmm. And when he did his lap time, he went all the way outside in the sand. 
um, keeping his momentum. I think he, he was riding good, obviously more aggressive than Roxanne, but his riding was fine. I think he just lost it. Mm-hmm. When he was sixth or seventh in the first lap of, uh, of the main, he started to, to lose his patience instead of, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a top three today or a top two or something, and right. then we'll right. see next week. You know, And I think that's exactly like he, he was too anxious to go and, and, and get Roxanne right away. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure he, was, he saw he, Ken was leading, and he just lost it. Right. And then uh, were, obviously it's not the way you should start the season. Were, you, were there times when you're going for the title with, with MC – and you know you're in the mix, or even that year that uh, that you led the series um, when Ricky crashed at round one, and you led the whole way. Were there times like Tomac where you didn't get a start, or do you remember specific times where you're like, you know what, I didn't have a good week of practice, I don't feel well on this track, I'm I have to limit the damage. <coughs> I mean, did you have it times happened. like that? It happened uh, like when I, in '02 when I was leading the championship. There's races that I could have won, but I actually. You know, and I'm too well. A Rocco one, um, I, I twisted my knee during the week, and mm-hmm. I couldn't walk all week. And I was feeling better on the race day, and I was leading the race, and my my tape was too tight, my leg was cramping, and I kind of like gave up the win, and I didn't really try with Rocco, and I got second, you know, because I wanted to score points. And there's right. other races where I could have fought Ricky more. And I did not feel really comfortable at that yeah, time. Like yeah. Dallas was the same way. But I scored 22 points. And I said, you know what? We'll yeah, go yeah. next week. I know I'm capable of winning. Right. But I'll pick my spot to yeah, win so, the race when, you know, I think it's important to get second and third. You know, like you want to do that, obviously. Yeah, yeah I just wanted and, to. Try, and just and want, you, can't, you can't win everything. Right. I just wanted to try to get, yeah, a little bit in the mindset of like, okay, look, uh, this guy's this guy, give it up to him. He's riding great. I'm going to look at these 22 points or 20 points and just uh, move on to next week, you know? Yeah, so. I think that's, you know, sometimes you you have to take a little loss and, and just, you know, look for next week and, mm-hmm. and regroup. Right. And I think it's good for the confidence. You stay in the hunt in the championship if something happens, you're right there. Mm-hmm. And, and especially first race, you don't want to jeopardize anything on the first race. You know, like, I right. think anybody on the 22 uh, guys in the main event, you say top three tonight. They say, "Oh, they sign and say, okay, I'll <laughs> take." take. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. So especially first race, it doesn't really matter who mm-hmm. wins the first race. You know so. what you what you see out of Jason Anderson? I didn't see a second. Um, he did well, um, but what what did you see him do well? What why did he get that second? What uh, what do you think? What do you think well, of Jason? Anderson? Obviously, obviously, he got a, a good start. He was like in, he was right there in practice, like top seven or something. Um, uh, obviously, he doesn't have uh, quite the top three speed of Roxanne, Connard, and Tomac yet. But um, I was impressed the way he rode because obviously he was kind of out of control on the 250. And I was like, ah, that might not work on the 450 if he keeps riding like this. But I thought he was smooth and, you know, he got the job done. Uh, no mistakes. And, you know, he stayed second and nobody, you know, he had a mistake-free race and pretty pretty easy second. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't really pushed that hard, right? Um. <coughs> yeah, that was that was a good race, and I was like I said, I was impressed the way he rode, and he was way smoother than mm-hmm. on the two fifty. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Hey, um, 
Chad didn't have Chad had a bike problem, had a bad had a bad race. Uh, Tomac crashed back, um, and Millsaps crashed a couple times, if not once. But uh, um, we saw all all day long. We saw Tomac, uh, Roxon, and Kennard top three in all three practices, and um, they they looked to be a step above in one of the practices. In the one that counted, they were almost half a second faster uh, than everybody else. Is that? Are we going to see that at Phoenix? Is there is is Reed and Dunge going to step it up, and, and or have we already seen three guys sort of being a bit better? I think it, um, I saw Chad. I think um, he can do better, obviously, uh, from what uh, he showed us last year, and he wasn't very good this weekend. Uh, Dunge, I don't know. Is that's a question mark? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him change the last three seasons. You know, like. It just rides the same way and, and, and smooth, and it doesn't go. He stays in his comfort zone all the time. And it seems like his bike setting and, and his riding, uh, it's been the same. You know? mm-hmm. and, and when you're not able to, to, to be the fastest or, or to win races on a regular basis, you, you need to change something. You need to try something else. You know, obviously, it works to be top three, top five, but it doesn't work to, um, you know, start third and pass two guys and, and check out. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him do that in a while. Right, right. So I think, uh, you know, I think it's, there's a bike setup, uh, yeah, the way he rides. And also maybe it's training. You know, there's something, in not not the training, like a physical training, but <clears throat> the, the the training on the bike. Right. Do you um do you uh uh talk a little bit more about what you wrote about on Pulp Mex about his bars? You just feel like he can't scrub a little bit. He can't get turned in low in the turns because of a bar setup. Yeah, his bars are really straight, really straight and kind of high, and his levers are really low, which means like he has to ride with his elbow really high and his fingers really low, and he looks so uncomfortable in turns doing like like this you know where you see a Roxanne or other guys they the ball position is lower mm-hmm. and they can set up in the turns way better with the elbows i know everybody says oh you have to ride with your elbow high yeah that's something in the 80s maybe or something yeah. you know you know ricky won races where uh his balls were on the, the <laughs> gas cap right you uh, know yeah so, because you want to kind of put it down to turn, mm-hmm. and especially on, on uh, back in the day, like in my days, where the whoops were big and the the rhythm section was a little uh, tougher, you you would need to have like a higher setup in balls and stuff for the whoops. But the the tracks are so um, simple now, and there's nothing really to do. So, well, you have to to be fast in the turns. Mm-hmm. So you have to be comfortable in the turns. If you're not comfortable in the whoops in Anaheim, they're like two seconds out of 55 yeah. seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's not like you're going to set up your bike for one, one piece of the track. You need to, mm-hmm. all the turns, you have to be fast now because everybody does the same thing. Everybody does skim the whoops. In my days, we were five or six sometimes just to go through the whoops. Now the last guy in the Super TF can skim through the whoops. Yeah, yeah, so really, right? What's differentiate all those guys is corner speed, and you, we've seen it in practice. 
if you look, you don't need a stopwatch. You look at um, Roxanne and Tomac in the turn before the triple this weekend, mm -hmm. uh, the one before the sand. Yeah. When you see Roxanne and Tomac go through that turn, you say, oh, okay, those guys are faster. There's no way. You, you, yeah. you don't need a stopwatch. <laughs> so that's why you need to set up your bike where you're really comfortable in the turns. You can charge your turns. You want to roll the outside more because that's kind of like the technique right now. All those guys um, that rail the outside and keep their momentum, mm -hmm. they go fast. So that's why you have to set up your bike like this. And I don't think Denji is that comfortable in the turns. And, and, and seriously, if he changes, you know, Bauman, triple clamps, balls, bet or something, like push him down, mm -hmm. would, that would be like nine day difference for him. Right. Uh, we got a call for you from Mike. Mike has a question. Mike, what's going on? Thanks for calling the uh, Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. What's your question for DV? Mike, you there? Oh, Mike's gone. Uh, Mike, Mike said, uh, want to know about Eli's style, riding style being better for outdoors than Supercross. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think. I mean, do you? Do you I don't think. Supercross. I'm going to say back in the day again, Yeah, but <laughs> Supercross back in the day and motocross were kind of way different, mm -hmm. you know, and the way you rode, because in the past you had to be patient. You had to jump everything. There's, there was, you have to, your technique had to be better than everybody else to do the jumps. Mm -hmm. And you had to be good in the whoops because they were huge. But now it's more like a small motocross track. And with jumps that everybody does, so I think a motor, like a motocross guy like Tomac, which I think he's better in motocross, but it transferred to supercross really well. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think that's the issue right now. You know, like right. um, I think motocross guys that they are stickered motocross guys, but now there's not too much difference because the there's no. Uh, the technique is um, it's not really like a, mm -hmm. um, a game changer now yeah. because but like McGrath was doing jumps nobody was doing right. or like uh, Stewart even when he was riding 125 or 250 he was doing a, a triple quad or something that was gaining time but um, not anymore because when you see the truck there's nothing to do just, mm -hmm. just go fast you know do the same thing <laughs> right. but fast um Who's got their work cut out for them in Phoenix this weekend? Who who do you think has to improve the most, you know, from what we saw in Anaheim to now? Uh, who who's kind of a guy that you were surprised that maybe wasn't on his game as much as uh, as much as you thought he would be? Um I think we talked about it. I think um uh, Dungey and uh, Okay. And, All right. I just know if there's somebody and, else, but yeah, those those I guys. think Dungey and Bosha they they are podium guys. They need mm -hmm. to be up front. They need to be fighting with the big three that we saw in Anaheim, right. you know? And, you know, like, if a, if a guy like a 32-year-old short can improve his game mm -hmm. and be aggressive, start in front, stay in front, win an E-race and get a top five, you know, y you would think Barsha and Denchi can actually step it up and, you know, do something about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's all about changing a few things. And, you know, I, I, I hope and, and they're going to, you know, step it up and, and, right. and be up there. 
All right, Mike's got a question, DV. Mike, welcome to the show. What's your question for David Villeman? Mike. Clint. Clint, what's yes. up? What's up? Sorry. Hey, how's it going? Good. You got a question for David Villeman? Yeah, well, I know that you mentioned uh, on one of the shows that you had a chance to go in some of the trucks and watch some of the overlay footage. Yeah. And uh, I saw some of the footage overlay on YouTube or something. They had it. Um, just surfing the Internet, I found it. And you could see they overlaid a couple guys through the rhythm section. They're neck and neck. And then in the turns, Roxon comes out like with a three three bike length gap just yeah, that, in the turns. I don't I, know if DV had a chance to see that too, or just um, I put it on uh, my Instagram. Um, and and okay, that's right. And I, I put it. Then. Yeah, and we put it in Racer X too. DV, you ever seen that stuff, or did you see my Instagram with the dartfish video? Uh, no, I, I don't need to overlay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's. It's obvious, you know, like when you see those guys, when you see guys going in and, and kind of like stopping and cutting inside and and losing time in the turns, like you see a rock set automat, they just keep the momentum all the time. They don't, they, there's no stop and go anywhere. You didn't need you know, no overlay in Phoenix against MC, did you? No overlay needed. There was, there was no digital camera back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... but no. Well, Clint, yeah, that's, yeah, you know what? You, you put the finger on it. It's it's a, the base of Supercross now. Is you have to go fast in the turns because there's so much you can do in a rhythm section these days. You know, the rhythm section in Anaheim, everybody was doing three, three on off two, and what else can you do? How can you go faster? Yeah, yeah you can do it. Like, I, I watched stay, it a bunch like, of times, and even even a guy trying to make a pass in that section. And you can see him using, you know, the most body English ever and scrubbing as hard as he could. And everything you can imagine, he's only gaining literally a wheel or a, a half a bike. But in the corners, yeah, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the base, uh, that's the base of Supercross racing now, you know. And, and, sure. and the guy that winning, they go fast in the turns. That's, you know, if you look at MC footage from 95 or 96, Mm-hmm. It's corner speed was horrible because it wasn't where you would gain time, and yeah. it happened more like in early 2000 where you know everybody were there was more more people actually good technically to do jumps like MCs or like like us in front. You had to go faster think, in the films to make do a you difference. Think yeah. that has in a, is, is because of a the bikes and b guys are having more opportunities to practice on a proper supercross track so the the jumping techniques are all you know pretty even yeah i think it comes to the track i think if you put up i would say uh, uh on top of my head you can take minneapolis 2002 there was right. like a quad and a triple in the rhythm section where we were like maybe three or four to do it you know it was mp mm-hmm. it was lost it was pastrana it was me and windham and we were doing it, and we will make like a second a lap on one rhythm section. But now, well, yeah. the way they make the tracks, the rhythm section are really mellow. Like everything is rounder. And uh, and four fifty more too. Like so. when you Back only lap day, two guys, you got to think the track is not difficult. Yeah, no, lapping two guys is a sure sign that it was pretty easy. Also, two DV four fifties. You know, we're on. They're on these horsepower machines now. Back then. Yeah, it you know. doesn't matter. Seriously, if you you put a track from uh, the 90s, 
or the early 2000s on today with the same like scale, mm-hmm. the height of the, the, the jumps, the, the steepness of the angles of the jumps too. Mm-hmm. You would see a big difference between the riders even today. Ah, that'd but be, now yeah. it's, it's the, the tracks are really generic. Uh, thanks, Clint. Thanks for calling, man. Awesome. Thanks, uh, guys. Thank you. Uh, good stuff, DV. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, are you going to Anaheim too? Yeah, my, yeah. My, I might bring uh-huh. my kids again. You finally got a credential, so that's all good. Like, yeah, you're always dialed now. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good to see a bunch of guys yeah. just talk about the old days yeah. and see people I haven't seen in, um, you know, over a year. I only went to two races last year. So you were most excited to see Ron Lachine, I think out of anybody. Yeah, that was, that was cool. I've, I've, I've talked to him. Obviously I never rode with him. Right. I actually rode with him in 1994 on a international <laughs> race in France. <laughs> He was 94. riding. I was riding a, a KX 125. He was riding a 500, and uh, but uh, yeah, it's cool. You know, those right. guys. Uh, when I grew up, I look up to Lachine, Bailey, Wall, Johnson. So yeah. When I see those guys, I'm kind of like, it, it's it's cool. You know? Right. Yeah. No. No. No doubt about it. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. <coughs> no worries. Sorry, I, I got a cold. Yeah, I see that. I hear that. Thanks, buddy. Hey, all right. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Uh, TV's got a cold. It's okay. It's David Villeman. When you've won as many races as you have, you can cough right into the phone. Tits, you can't. I haven't won any races. And you can't cough into the phone, into the no. mic. Nope. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Fly Racing, Moto 60 Show, presented by NFAB. Tits, are you coming back next week? Yeah, I think okay. I'll be here. All right, because I paid you already, and so, you yeah, know. I'm, I'm taking off. Man. That's what I mean. Adios, sucker. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Thursday's noon. NFAB. Fly Racing, David Villeman, Jason Thomas, your calls. Thank you. See you next week.